Welcome to Hardcover Hooligans. My name is Danilo. Mac, I don't know about you, but I sleep well at night knowing that I'm well defended against a possible Mistborn attack because I, in my kitchen drawer I have not one, but two rolls of aluminum foil. What are your Mistborn defense plans? Uh, uh, paintball. Uh, paintball gun. Paintball gun? Ah. Yeah. Okay. Plastic. Unless there's <laughs> micro metals in the paint. I don't know how that works. Ooh, like poison paint? Could you... Holy shit, baby. Or just I'd, I'd seduce them. Acid paint. Um, yeah, acid paint or my uh, powers of seduction, I would say. So, we started the second book in the Mistborn trilogy entitled The Well of Ascension, published in 2007 by Brandon Sanderson, I believe the year after the first Mistborn came out. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was nothing else in between this and that? It's not like a George R. R. Martin publishes a fire <laughs> no. and blood and a fucking map book before he makes the next book? Nothing like that? Say what you want about Brandon Sanderson. Is he, he pumps him out uh, for sure. For better or for worse. I think, not to put the cart before the horse, but I think this one is for the better. I think this is pretty good. Uh, yes. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> um... Let's go right into it. I mean, yeah. normally with Brandon Sanderson, we have prologues. No prologue. I noticed that. It just starts right into it. I actually thought I was I was listening to this one, uh, and I actually thought that the thing had fucked up, so I went back to like my book, and I was like, wait, it, what? There's no prologue? <laughs> no, we just get right into it. But it is not a direct... This is no uh, Star Wars Episode Seven to Episode Eight five seconds after the ending of the previous no. one. Oh, no. There's been a time jump. It's one year later, a lot like uh, high school. Yeah. yeah, it's just like every semester of high school, I'd black out and then I'd wake up one year later. <laughs> well, and then, and then you know, the first three chapters of high school are the big review section to make sure everyone's yes. on the same oh, page man. about I was not, what yeah. happened. That was rough, man. I was like, oh, here we go again. I felt cozy. It's like getting into a blanket made of uh, thorns. <laughs> You're like, yeah, <laughs> nice. Yes, so when we return to our heroes uh elland is the king of luthadel and the central dominance not as implied at the last thing just king of everything now yeah. this this <laughs> yeah. like 20 year old kid yeah. which i think is a good choice <laughs> yes i agree i thought it i thought that was funny right away they cleared that up it, immediately this is a lot more uh, geopolitically complicated because you, for, you they mention other places in the previous book, but you would be forgiven for thinking the whole world takes place in two cities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's an actual like world sort of yeah. beyond the city where stuff happens. And the big another big development is there's no Adium cache. They were not able to find the Lord yeah, Rulers. They couldn't Adium. find it. That maybe it exists, but they did a bad job of trying to find it. Yeah, I don't know if they, have they looked under all the floorboards. Like maybe they just went. I doubt they looked everywhere. Like it could <laughs> truly just be in some dude's house that the Lord Ruler snuck in there at nighttime. <laughs> just some guy he trusts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the big threat now is that Straff Ventures armies are camped outside of Luthadel, threatening to take it. Big Dick style, just show up. Has that ever happened to you, Danilo? You ever move into your first apartment and your dad shows up to take it from you? 
Yeah, my dad buys, threatens to buy the building. <laughs> no, never have I had to engage in an official parlay with my father. Damn. I wish we could all, we should, we, we should all have the opportunity to experience something like that at least one point in our lives, I think. <laughs> it, uh, meet your father's dozens of uh, women that he yeah, keeps around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's... Straff ventures outside of Luthadel, um, and Vin and her Kandra buddy are hanging out, protecting Ellen. Yeah, well, they're not buddies yet. She is not fuck. She does not fuck with this guy at all. <laughs> I feel really, you know, this book. It started off. This book is written slightly differently i feel where like right off the bat there are ideas and concepts being presented and you the reader get to think about them and experience them in such a way where so in the previous book when vin speaks to people who aren't white women she's like what the fuck are you talking about i don't understand but in this one and and you kind of read that and I, at least I was like well this is kind of weirdly written because it has that stuff we spoke about it in the beginning there's like weird hints about slavery I was like what is going on but that stuff's explained but Vin is pretty prejudiced in the other book and it didn't feel like that was going anywhere <laughs> but in this book um, her prejudice towards the Chandra feels like it's like a a literary tool like you're not supposed to like vin and in the other book i felt like i was supposed to like vin and ignore the fact that she was like an asshole yeah or like you know dislike this thing about vin even like as you're following along like like a character in a book you know i thought it was cool and that gets resolved she deals with that i think yeah the big thing about starting this was I was, I'm not going to lie. I was a little discouraged at the end of our last conversation because yeah, like really. rereading it, I was like, oh, like, I don't know. <laughs> like just rereading these books is a wild experience. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and then going into this one, I'm like, is this just going to be like the same thing again? But like even at the beginning, even though the beginning, this sort of has started out a little slower. Uh, it feels more like a real book in a way that's readable which I like know exactly you know you we can talk about whether that stuff is like well done but like it does the minimum to where it, f- it just feels qualitatively different than the first one yeah and uh there is no i knew there was going to be more tutorials and there are in this book i mean there are reviews of the magical powers but this is all that needed to be there in the first place i know that's i thought about that too where like so yeah, so it like in the first or second chapter, Vin gets like attacked by a bunch of you know uh, misting almancers, whatever, and she like takes them down using all of the metal powers, and like each of them gets like a little sentence or two in a paragraph, and I'm like, this could have all been there yeah. in the first book, and I would have completely gotten it probably. You know what's interesting is that the book does do that when Kelsier burns down uh, that dude's uh, plantation. It does say, the book is like, he pushed against this guy. And that would have been the perfect thing to just be like, Iron lets you do that. And then that we, that's it. We just need that. Because that's exactly what happens here. It's like a cool action scene 
Um, I thought all the action scenes in this book are a lot better than the ones in the previous book. And I don't know if that's just because there's less, like, let's get it out of the way, uh, ladies and germs. Kelsier is not in this book, so automatically <laughs> it, gets, it gets bumped up three points on my scale. I think any book that does not have Kelsier in it is at least it can't go below a six out of ten. Um, and it's cool to see Vin kick ass. I don't know the action that that action scene where she fights all those Alamancers is fucking sweet. I don't know why I thought that was so cool, but I did. As we mentioned before, Ellen is not just straight up king of everything. He's actually <laughs> like formulated a government based on his political knowledge. And there's like an assembly, which is kind of like a Senate. And there's like all this like, you know, there's ska merchants now. And it's yeah. like, and I think it's like, okay, this is interesting. Like after the fall of the big thousand year way of doing things like what sort of forms yeah. in its place what sort of conflicts happen and i think when i when i read the book the first time like oh this is like an interesting world building thing to think about like okay what would happen yeah it's super cool this is exactly what i mean like okay so ellen's first thought is that it has to be a monarchy so there has to be a king but it seems unfair to give the king all this power so he introduces this like parliament but that's not a monarchy then if you the king can't do anything unless he has the votes by the parliament that is not what that is anymore so i thought that was in, he's like i don't know he just kind of took two governments and smashed them together and as we will see at the end of this two sections that was maybe the wrong yeah. <laughs> was to uh form the what are they called the assembly is that what they're called yeah it's called the assembly yeah. with a capital a Oh, I don't know if we said we we read part one and part two of the Well of Ascension, which is like half the book. It's a lot of it. This would be what uh, like a twenty-two-year-old yeah guy would maybe who was passionate about politics like come up with. You know, at least it's not a libertarian. You know, I know. Yeah, everybody, all the Scott can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it, it, he it's cool because it's like a political system in the in the way that a philo- like a literally a philosopher philosophy 101 kind of douchebag would maybe come up who's like a good guy at heart but yeah, you know yeah. is kind of like an asshole would probably come up with also th- it, i think it's so interesting that they call the uh fall of the evil emperor the collapse that is not what I would call something good. So I think it's interesting <laughs> that they've all already internalized that something... I understand, like, the regime has collapsed, but if you refer to the collapse, capital C, I would not uh, think of that as a good thing, but it is a good thing. But is it a good thing? Because... That's the thing, I think, like, as readers, you know, objectively, it is a good it is a good thing like ethically but like as we find out like we'll talk about the next part where like says it is out in the countryside trying to like yeah. teach the sky everything he's like remembered and learned for these thousands of years and they like don't care and they don't have yeah, time to like, care we don't have crops <laughs> like we're gonna die this winter yeah when is the lord ruler coming back He's like, no, it's, you know, because he at least gave them crops. And so then, like, here's where, like, the morally, you know, this is how you sort of do morally gray. Yeah, this is good. Better. So what the fuck was happening in the first book? I think too much. Too many things to where, yeah, I don't know. I think it was, it was like too, uh, too clinical. Yeah. I I also think that this is all, this is a much more interesting story than 
we have to get the evil emperor. Like, this is already a much more interesting... Like, if it was just this book, I'd be like, oh, what? Like, what's going on? But, because, like, obviously the fucking emperor is evil, and they're not going to get to him, and he's going to be like, I was actually really nice. Uh, he does kind of do that, but it's... I don't know. There's not immediate <laughs> repercussions. Oh, also, uh, in the first battle scene, uh, just going back, just a little plot point, Vin is being uh, followed slash uh, watched by uh, the Watcher. The, the, and he wears black clothes, and he <laughs> goes on the rooftops. Fuck Ellen as a self-insert character. This is Brandon Sanderson's self-insert character, because I bet you every time somebody talks to him, the first... He's like, kill him. Like, something in his brain is like, <laughs> slaughter him. Yeah, I think, yeah. Brandon Sanderson is actually saying, like, this is the first. <laughs> he has to... The reason he's so nice is a lifetime of suppressing his... Uh... His urge to kill everyone. Yeah. Yeah, Zane is, what if Brandon Sanderson didn't start writing books? <laughs> yes, the Watcher is Zane, which we find out later. We can talk about Zane a little bit later. But we get Sezed's POV, and he's out doing his uh, his thing, trying to teach Scott. And then he sort of is following this trail of rumors that the mist is staying out at night, or during the day. And... That it is actually killing people, which has never really happened. Like, it gives them a seizure, and then they collapse, and sometimes they get up, and sometimes they don't. That's what they... Wait, is, how does part one end? What is the final scene? I don't remember it being... It, does she uh, talk to the spirit? Or does she see the spirit Yeah, this, this happens one? in this first section, too. Where So, Vin, at some point, sees, like, a mist figure. She sees it. She just sees it, I think, and follows it. And it has some sort of allomantic pulse and then disappears. Another Vin plot point is that uh, there's a the Church of the Survivor is sort of growing. And they all want Vin to, like, tell them what to do. And she's like, no, this is weird. I don't like this. I think that's so cool. And I think it's cool that the Steel Ministry is still around. Yes. Like, as a religion. Well, and that the, uh, like, in terms of, like, the world build, like, the politics stuff, like, yes, keep the obligators around because they know how to, like, structure and organize people and governments, even if they're not in charge still. Like, yeah. don't just kill them because then you'll lose all that knowledge that you need to, like, run a city. And I did not know that this was going to be how this book went, but it is definitely public knowledge that Vin is the one who killed the Lord Emperor. Or the Lord Ruler. I mean, some people believe it, some people don't, but... Oh, sure, but the rumor is that it's her. I didn't know if it, that, like, wasn't going to ever be revealed at all, but... She, and she is the heir to the survivor. That's what they call her. And she doesn't like it. Lady heir. I think that's so... Michael Kramer, I believe, is the man who reads the audiobook. He busts out some great uh, voices for some of these people. Uh, <laughs> the he's he busts out southern accents. It's crazy. Really? It did not. Yeah, for the for those uh, dumb hicks that says it teaches, they do have the kind of <laughs> southern tw- twangs. That's a bold choice. I know. It's it really. I was like, that's insane. And then I think the big tough guy who meets Vin towards the end of section two, who's like really sad, has like a he's like Lady Air. Like, I, I hope you're not going to abandon us or nothing. And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I think it's when you run out of voices, you got to 
You got to default to Southern. The mists are coming out during the day. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, the pre-chapter things are being written by that dude for, who's mentioned in the first book. It's Or Orton. I don't. I didn't write it down. Is it mentioned in the first book? He is mentioned as traveling with them. Yeah. Rat, uh, the Elendil, who we get his name. That's the hero. Wait, who'd you say? What'd you say? The guy. The pre-chapter journal entries are being written by one of Elendil's. Uh, I don't uh, think his name's Elendil. Compen- That's what the first hero's name. Oh, Elendi. Oh, Elendi. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's too close to Elend. <laughs> yeah, I know. El- I know. That's why I couldn't remember which way uh, I was uh, conflating it with Elend was, and it's so on the nose. Where I'm like, what are we doing here? The same why? guy. His name is the same guy. That'd be crazy. He got pushed in the well of ascension. He became a twenty-two-year-old philosopher. Oh no! <laughs> that's the big. That's the big. That's the big betrayal. Is that? <laughs> that's what your betrayal. You. You're, this is akin to you know your friend being like, "Hey man, what classes did you sign up for?" You tell him, and then you ask him, and it's like, "What did you sign up for?" And he goes, "Yeah, man, I got a philosophy uh, one hundred and one." You bury your head in your hands because you know for the next three <laughs> months he's going to be like, "What if I don't know? What if if there was like this trolley, like, uh, and one person was tied down?" <laughs> that was that's definitely Alan. Absolutely, but yeah, it's being written by this the one of the terrorismen. I don't think they're called terrorismen at the time, right? Or are no, they? No, they're called like I think they're called Clenny. I think like the 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 land is called Clenium. Uh, but he's traveling with them and saying like, "Hey, I'm not sure about this Elendi guy, but he seems cool. But he's kind of a." Becoming somebody different, which is interesting because maybe he's not dead. And we do find out where all these things are written later in the section. We do? Yeah. Oh. Where well, the... we'll just, we'll just talk about it right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, all right. Marsh meets up with Sazed and he's oh, like, right. come yeah, with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. And Sazed's like, but I got it. He's like, I don't, come with me. <laughs> I know. Uh, Sazed is teaching a class and then he essentially turns around and there's a big man who's like, we have to go <laughs> on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Not even do you want to go on an adventure. It's we're going on an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how they've become sort of weird friends. I like, you know, I know you really didn't like Marsh in the first book. Inquisitor Marsh is great. Yeah. Well, because it's because when he's Marsh in the first book, I was like, there's something missing. Why is he so depressed and boring? But now... It makes sense that he's depressed and boring because he has metal spikes in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in. It's almost, and that's another like I think with the first book is like he was written pre Inquisitor. He was like, okay, one of these people needs to become an Inquisitor. What kind of a person would become an Inquisitor? Oh, like the boring, depressed one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The one who's most like an Inquisitor becomes an Inquisitor. I like their I like their friendship, and says it even comments. I don't know. I he did he, no. It's in his thoughts. He definitely doesn't say it out loud. He's like he's purposely trying to be friends with Marsh because he knows that none of the other people are gonna be able to do it. None of them are gonna be able to look at him. And there are apparently more Inquisitors who are gone. And so so Marsh and Sazed go to the Conventicle of Saran, which is like where all the Inquisitors are. And I mean, the, I, the first time I read this book, I didn't remember a lot from it, but I did remember this because it's very cool. They like go to like a, a crater 
And it's like just this building made entirely of me- sheets of metal with like no windows, no light. It's crazy. And the and they open the door and it doesn't make a sound. That's what it's just, it, the door just opens and there's no creak or anything. It just opens. And also, is there mist in this crater or is that uh the val the valley that the guy died in that Sazed was learning about? I don't know if there's I don't think it mentions if there's mist here or more than normal i think it's where the guy because there's mist during the daytime now which is an important thing yes and i think that is well we can talk about the the bad guys or like sources of sources of threat in this feel more in this book feel more like interesting and like actual sources of threat like you find in a book I know, I know. It's not an instruction manual for a video game you never play, which is what, what Mistborn is. So yes, they go to the conventicle, which needs to be a word that's used more. Yeah, I know. That's it's so. Ugh. I knew we were in for a ride when this name gets dropped. I was like, oh, this is like a real fantasy novel now, baby. <laughs> oh, Mar. Oh, so Marsh confirms that the mists are coming during the day. Which says it's like these people have been saying it's like mists come during the day now. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> says it like, are you are you sure? And he just doesn't say anything and walks away. Yeah. I've never been more sure of anything in my entire life. I feel like Marsh doesn't say things he doesn't know for an actual fact are true. Yeah. Back at the Luthadel ranch, um <laughs> Vin is tired of Orser's Orser is the name of Rakandra, who like the contract was transferred from Kelsier to Vin when Kelsier died. And now Orser has to do everything that Vin says. And Vin is annoyed that he like has a human body <laughs> that he constantly needs to like upkeep. So I don't know why I was so thrown off by this scene, but I Vin know. just like she's like it like skirts over it. But Vin just like fucking kills a dog by punching it in the head. <laughs> <laughs> she go Vin, the main character of this book, goes to a dog salesman and she <laughs> says, I'd like your meanest, biggest dog, please. And, and she goes and, and he's like refuses to sell it to her. So she goes to the back room where she I guess she knows it's there. <laughs> I don't know. They kind of just brush over this. And they, she goes This and she whole kills. scene feels extremely <laughs> brushed over, which I think is so funny. It's like it, it's it needs to happen. It makes total sense. Like you have to write this scene. You can't just have Vin all of a sudden have a dead dog without writing the scene of it. I know. But she 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 hits it in the head really hard and then she kneels down and she just kind of says, "Hey, I'm sorry about this." As if like <laughs> it's going to ever be the same. <laughs> it's not coming back. <laughs> well, it never like it never even says like she killed the dog. Like it looks <laughs> it feels so carefully written to be like, "Oh, the dog's just asleep." But like the but Orser's not going to eat the body unless it's a dead dog. So the dog died. <laughs> It's so straight, like it's so strange. It's crazy. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I loved it. I had to. I was. Vin will. <laughs> Vin will slaughter like eight people in two pages. But like we're gonna tiptoe around her, like killing a dog out of convenience. It's so awesome. 
It's oh, this is my favorite scene in the all the books so far. I want there to be a spin-off novel about that dog salesman after he <laughs> this little girl just killed the one he was going to sell to like a royal house. Oh my god. Oh, it's awesome. Cuz it is. I do feel like, oh, you know, Orser needs to be a dog. Where yeah. you can like see the 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 threads of like all right, which means you know they can only eat dead people. So Vin has to find a dead dog. Like where are we gonna find a dead dog just randomly? And like there's no easy way. There's no toys about it. Is Vin's gonna have to kill it? If you can't find a dead dog, you gotta make a dog dead. That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't. But you can't like pay someone to kill no, a dog. Kill That's a within dog. that man's too long. That takes too long. Like, we just need half a page where all of a sudden Vin has a dead dog and it's fine. Yep. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But uh, yeah, now Vin, now Orsur is, so Orsur is his actual name. Yes. Okay. So Orsur is now a dog and uh, he's, he's not super jazzed about it. No, he's a, he's a little crabby, but I mean, I would also be crabby if I were him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His whole thing, like the whole Kandra thing, is they have these. Con- they have what's called the contract, and they have to always serve human beings at all times, no matter what they do. And Vin doesn't like Orser, and Orser doesn't like Vin, but they're sort of stuck together. It was like a like a like a buddy cop movie that they're before they're friends. <laughs> that is what it feels like. It I, is. I really yeah. enjoy their conversations when they're not getting along because i'm like there's a lot of book left i know they're getting along like i know <laughs> that's coming so i'm excited for that and uh i was right so you were uh we also have a new metal new alamancy metal alert the uh, it's a alloy of aluminum called duralmin and eventually vin finds out what it does and it uh when you burn when you burn it while burning other metals it like burns them really quickly all at once to give you like a huge surge but then when it's gone it's all your metals gone yeah and it is all of them all at once it's not just the one you were burning or I think it is i think it is just the one you're burning okay see i thought it was all of your metals and then there's a point way later where she uses it and then can suddenly use her other metals and i was like this son of a bitch but i didn't go bother to back and shoot because i think the first the time she did it she was burning a couple at once because it was in the middle when she was fighting zane she was like okay let's see what'll happen and then like her bronze and her tin and everything went off at the same time and the first time yeah no you're totally right because in the first time the first time she burned it nothing happened because she wasn't burning any of her metals so you're absolutely right that's a cool yeah that's a cool idea and i also i love the idea of uh there are probably a shit fuck ton of other alavantic metals out there Mm -hmm. and it's just that like it's just been these 10 because they're probably the 10 most common i guess but who knows or like the 10 that like with the fact that was like the lord ruler and the obligator like they kept aluminum secret because they wouldn't want other people to know about it because they just had that much control and like the people who were able to make these metals, you know, wouldn't necessarily have the time or the materials to experiment. Yeah. So I'm sure more metals are coming, which I'm excited about because I like the idea of Duralamin Dura- or Duralmin or whatever. I think that's Dur- Duralamin. Cool. That sounds a lot better than what yeah, I've been I think saying. That's, what, that's how the audiobook says it, Duralamin. We'll go by audiobook pronunciation rules. So the end of part one, uh, I think we find out that. The, the watcher is Zane, um, and there's like tension between them because he's like, no one, no one gets you except for me, Vin, because we're Alamancers. I thought doesn't part one end 
like the last page or whatever is like there's a spy maybe or is that part oh, two maybe that is part one yes yeah, so yeah there's so there's two things that happen at the end of part one which a second army arrives oh yeah which is Set's army uh and they're like what's this new army and then breeze is like galloping out on horseback uh, yeah that was cool i thought he was like an action hero but no he had sex with a little girl. <laughs> so, I don't know if they had sex. It doesn't say yeah, they had yeah, sex. That's, that's true. That's true. Just got a little crush, little crusher Rooney going on. Yeah. I don't know how old any of these people are. So when they said that the girl was 18, I was not appalled. But I didn't know how old they were. And all of the... Uh, Vin was appalled. So I was like, is Breeze like 70? I think he's like <laughs> I don't 45. Know. I think he's... All right. All know. right. That makes sense. And then this is that they... So, yeah, the second army comes. And the whole political part of it is, is that, like, now Straff's army can't take Luthadel without opening themselves up to attack from the other army. So they're sort of a, a standoff, if you will. And then at the end of this uh, part is where... There are some guards in the palace. Go to Vin and go to Vin and Ellen. You're like, we found some skeletons. Um, and then one of them was Orser's previous bones before he took the dog. But another pair were from someone else. So there's another Kandra somewhere that's spying. That's spying. Yeah. At first, I thought it was Captain Demu, but why would he <laughs> alert Vin to the fact that there's a spy? I don't know. That sounds uh, exactly what maybe a spy would do. Double. I think it's Doxin. Because he's the only one that's not an Alamancer. Right. And so it's the only one that wouldn't be able to be tested. Yeah. And so the and the big thing is that Kandra can't use Alamancy. So if anyone is seen using Alamancy, which Vin tests a bunch of people, they can't be the spy. I mean, would you be sad if Doxin was dead who'd organize all like the calendars and to-do lists i know well it's just because everybody else gets along with ellen except for dachshund that's the only reason why i'm so suspicious and i know dachshund's history with uh the nobility is bad but that would also i mean that's a perfect excuse for like the conjure to not be around ellen enough to accidentally blow their cover because orser lets vin know that uh it is an act like it doesn't Ma- it can't like magically perfectly imitate anybody like they are acting and could theoretically be bad at it and give away the fact that they're not really who they say they are and our sort mentions he is average like he's fine so there are people who are way better and there are people who are way worse so i think this conjures way better but i do think it's Do. i do think it's one of the crew and i think it's dachshund it's either dachshund or spook but i don't think it's i really don't oh no it's not spook yeah, because Vin tests him for the Alamancy, yeah. So never mind. Oh yeah, Spook's back. He comes back. Yep. He has He's, a fake he... beard? <laughs> I don't know there what was, that There was like a was. scene or two where it, it felt like a holdover from the other um, book where it's like, the crew's just hanging out oh, and we get to see what everyone's doing. Another thing I'm noticing about like Sanderson's writing style is like, under no circumstances can plot and like character stuff happen at the same time like they have to be separate yeah it's it's weird it's super weird it does actually that does happen at the end of part two during the parlay i thought that was cool i mean it does it is literally segmented though like 
Ellen is doing the plot and Vin is dealing with character conflict. And they are separate, but it is technically happening at the same time. But it is through the plot. Like, Vin is also still doing stuff. Yeah. So then it's... That's the other thing, too, about this, too, where it feels like, oh, you know, the when you run into the stuff that, like, other books have that the previous one didn't have you're like whoa this is great i know yeah yeah and that's part of the experience of like rereading it too which is like it's almost like a it's like comparing it to itself before like makes it seem maybe better than it actually is that doesn't mean it's not enjoyable yeah i don't know about that i think that this is i still think there are parts of this book that are not good i mean and they're the same parts as last time like Spook is not funny, and it's really <laughs> terrible when he's like, "Izzing is the farting of the poop," or whatever. I think that stuff is I think terrible. A I th- <laughs> it's on the it's the review on the front cover. Uh, I think that stuff is just the worst. But I think that, um, and I, you know, I was really dealing with this. I was like, am, "Did I just drink the Kool Aid, or is this actually good? Like, am I just invested in this now, or?" Is the book actually good, and that's why I'm invested? I, I, or does it matter? Does it even? I don't matter? know. Does it matter? Wait, let's let's put a pin in that <laughs> and come back at the end of part one because I have had lots of the thoughts about this whole th- series where it's going on, like on a on a reread. Um, okay, so part two starts. We are back at the conventicle of Saran with Marsh and Sazed, and this is where they find a bunch of dead bodies. I think like. Before the Inquisitors left, they just, like, killed all the servants yeah, over there. They got, they got fucked up. There, there's, like... That image is so uh, incredibly violent in my head of, like, well, we can't bring them, so line up. And then they just start <laughs> started hacking. Well, and then also they, like, find, like, the human-shaped, like, molds or, like, trays yeah. where, like, other inquisitors are made and like other spikes and it's all made of like metal i imagine like it's like dark and dingy and everything's like brushed steel and like has kind of like like black blotches that are like dried blood and stuff and it's pitch black because the they don't need light to see because they just see through all the metal which is why everything made of metal so they can see everything around them it's so cool and says it's like um i'm gonna need a flashlight yeah he's like no way i'm going in there sister (laughs) <laughs> and then Marsh is like, what are you talking about? Okay, fine. See, stuff like that is funny. The fact that Sazed, it's just like a character moment where he's like, I'm not fucking going in there without a light. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, Marsh, too, like, comes from a character. Like, he's so, like, matter of fact yeah. and, like, in a straight line that he didn't even think that Sazed <laughs> yeah. would even, like, what? oh, I, I guess you can't see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, he said. I think he says like, "Can't you just use your tin?" And he's like, "That's not how it works, idiot." And he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and also, it's pretty funny that why do they have torches? Like, why do the Inquisitors have torches? Well, I think I think it's said because the servants. The servants still need to see. Oh, that's right. They're not just okay. So they. So I wonder. I must have mixed that up because when they go down the... Oh, yeah, there's a funny moment where they're descending into the crater and uh, uh, Sazed finds an elevator and he's like, uh, oh, we'll just use this. And Marsh is like, there's nobody at the bottom to pull the pulleys. And then he just cuts it and it crashes to the <laughs> ground. <laughs> he's like, okay. Uh, but there's when they when they descend, Sazed remarks that there's like chains in the rock, so people must have been chained there. Mm-hmm. And I guess 
I didn't I wasn't thinking of them as servants. I was thinking of them like slaves and because uh-huh. I was thinking of them like slaves, I was thinking like, "Whoa, what is the work they're doing?" But uh I don't I don't know. I mean, they could be I mean, I don't know if there is an answer to this in the book, but I think that the people chained up outside are like going through a test to become inquisitors or something like that. I think it's all part of the part of the process. I mean, someone has to, you know, carry all the spikes and all the buckets of blood, you That's know, true. from room to room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is so scary in there. And it I is know. So, it's so scary that Mars is like, there's no way you're going upstairs. <laughs> no way. Well, and then that was interesting too. Like another character thing. He's like, I don't mind that you see all the violence that the Inquisitors have done, but I just don't want to be with you when you do. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's cool. And it also must mean that he has done some of the violence, right? Because Oh, surely. Because he's just a blend, or he at least was blending in. Yeah. Yeah. E- even if he was just pretending to be evil. Like, I mean, undercover, I un- people in... A- like, you still gotta do shit if you're undercover. And, like, especially in a situation like this. So, I get it. It's a cool character moment. And, like, you know, you get the sense that he's not the Marsh he was. It's not like he's just pretending. Like, the fact that he's an Inquisitor now, like, he has changed on a deep level. He's not just like, I'm still your friend Marsh. I just got goofy nails in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which, I was actually worried about that. That's how it is at the end of the first book. Yeah, when they are hanging out on the rooftop, that's exactly what it is. Like Marsh is the Marsh same. Marsh is just like eating a sandwich his <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with a glass of wine, drinking yeah, drinking a big big gulp doing advertisements. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, and I think that's part of the thing too. Like the my experience of rereading the first book. Like I forgot how much my impression of things was like retroactively modified by the other books like by this book like you know like i don't see i didn't see marsh the way you saw marsh i saw marsh like i saw this marsh you know yeah this is cool and also i think that the the crew are a lot more defined and i don't know if that's just because they're not always together and so they don't have the opportunity to like blend together in my head and ruin scenes but when they're all separately i think they're great like ham is awesome in this book and i hated him in the first one (laughs) well i think the the thing like they are now in their proper place as minor characters. Yes. Like, I think in the previous book, like, we talked about, like, it was trying to do too much at the same time. Like, Sanderson was like, okay, I have all these definite ideas about these crew members and how each of their personalities is, and I need to make sure they are, in every scene that they're in, we are taught, we are having them be fleshed out by saying stuff and doing stuff, because in my mind, they're all separate and different but then that ended up being like why are these people talking like this this has nothing to do with anything (laughs) it just doesn't work and it works really well here because i think they are like they have a purpose or if they don't they're like okay we're here we talk about a little thing and then they're done they just don't have time to get it's like when we were talking about ellen in the first book i was nervous i was like i really like ellen and i hope that's not just because we don't have a point of view chapter where he gets ruined (laughs) Um, that's like what's going on here. They just don't have enough time on screen to make themselves annoying. Yeah. And, and this book makes fun of Ham's dumb philosophy in a way that the other book I feel wanted me to take seriously, (laughs) which I really appreciated. Like Breeze just straight up is like, you're a fucking idiot 
dummy well, idiot, he said, like, you, he's idiot. like I, I I would say something and you'd say just the opposite just because you're he's like, <laughs> yeah. like Pam is like a the free speech like yeah guy it's like it's, what, whatever anyone else is saying you'll just say the opposite just to be like did you ever think about this yeah I know so I love that he gets called out on it because that's what I'm screaming at the book while it's <laughs> happening and I'm glad that I'm not the only person who thinks that uh but back to the Adventures of Marsh and Sazed, which, oh, I wish this part was longer because <laughs> it's so great. I wish they explored other stuff. I wish he went upstairs. Yeah, uh, but he went downstairs. But he does go downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and he finds an old engraving on like a steel plate. Yeah, so it's just a room. <laughs> so it's just you go downstairs and it's a room and there's an engraving right there. I That's think it. so. Yeah, I think I imagine so too. like it's at the bottom of the stairs, and just like the stair stops, like a stairwell, and there's like an engraving. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's cool. Like a, just a stair. Like why is it? Oh uh-huh. yeah, I mean that was so cool. Like why is yeah. it there? Uh-huh. Well, and then it's all, and then says it starts to read it, but Marsh comes up behind him and is like, "We gotta go." So says it takes like a rubbing of it, and it's the it's the pre. Is it not the first pre chapter entry? It's yeah, so it's all of the pre-chapter epigraphs come from this rubbing, yeah. And like like we said, we know that this is being written by Elen Elendil Elendi. Oh, no, so Elendi. I think so. Elendi was the guy who was supposed to be. Yeah, I the mean, hero it's being ages. written by his friend. Who well, I think he's it's traveling Quan. around. With. I think his name is Quan. Quan, thank you, Quan Rashik and Elendi are the three bros and they were going on an adventure that didn't end so well but we don't know what happened to Quan. at least i don't think so he's mentioned in one of elendi's journal entries in the first book but uh i don't know if he is referred to as dying i don't know i think maybe rashik does kill him <laughs> i i don't i don't know if i remember that or not I feel like rashik was a bit on a killing spree towards the end there he's kind of a silly guy he made a he hey Everybody makes mistakes, man. We don't know what happened <laughs> at the well. Uh, there could have been an accident. Not a lot of people make one long thousand-year mistake, though. Well, not a lot of people get the opportunity to <laughs> do that, Danilo, so I feel like you're being a little judgmental. Ah, you're right, you're right. The Lord Ruler <laughs> is fine. Yeah, the Lord Ruler did nothing wrong. That's my hot take. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't get proven right, because uh, he, maybe he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> so, yes, we are in the beginning of part one still. Uh... Then says that in Marsh travel for a bit longer, and then uh, one morning, Marsh is just gone without saying anything, and says that like waits for him for a couple hours, and it's like, well, okay. It almost like he definitely. I what I thought was like inquisitors were on their tail or something, and he had to go because uh, there's no way he would just do that. He had to. There had to be an emergency, or like maybe that room wasn't empty. He was just lying. Maybe, oh, that'd be fucked up if Marsh is actually loves being an Inquisitor. He's a bad guy. That would be fucked up. For some reason, I doubt it. Yeah, he becomes a super good guy. <laughs> starts, playing, starts playing guitar. Yeah, he joins a band. He takes the spikes out of his eyes. He just has beautiful baby blue eyes. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> just take him out, he has guys. To wear sun- he takes him out. He has to wear, like, sunglasses. Of course. <laughs> and then every time he's like, take those glasses off, Marsh. You know, we want to see your eyes. And they're just holes looking right through his head. <laughs> he's like, bah, I don't even want me to do that, guys. 
He wears a Hawaiian shirt and cargo shorts all the time. He's a cool guy, man. <laughs> Playing songs like Margaritaville and Cheeseburgers yeah. in Paradise or whatever. <laughs> and he starts going by a different name. Maybe Jimmy something. Jimmy, I can't think Jimmy of the last Mar- name. Jimmy Marsh? <laughs> Marsh? <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. What a crazy third book. It's just all about Marsh's rock and roll career. It has nothing to do with this. That'd be awesome. <laughs> You know, you know, Marsh actually once asked Corona to sponsor him. They said no, so he made his own beer. <laughs> yeah, he has a beer and he has a uh, he has a whiskey sour in a can. You should try it out. I don't know. I heard it's pretty good. <laughs> Big restaurant chain, <laughs> Marshville. Oh my god, they serve. Yeah, it's like a Mr. Beast burger. They they serve all the food on the back of a Perkins, but they, it's called Marshville. <laughs> It's kind of one of these uh, ghost of kitchens or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's burgers with like metal shavings and just like oh. glasses of blood <laughs> Ooh, with yummy. lime in it. Yeah, of course. Well, he couldn't get the deal from Corona, but he loved that lime. So <laughs> he had to do something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, Marsh does not become this universe's Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why he left. That was his idea. He was I have like, to go. I, I have a great idea. I can't tell anyone I'm doing this. They're like, there's a new concert coming through Luthadel? It's Marsh. Well, it's weird. Seth's Army is having a cool party down there. Who's playing down there? <laughs> the sound of steel drum is wafting through the night air. <laughs> the ash falls fell and the steel drum moved like mist <laughs> through the night that's like, <laughs> oh man that's awesome uh, man i can't wait for that i think we that's our fan fiction we're gonna write that yeah <laughs> we'll have a community uh run fan fiction all about that and you can add it whatever you want just as so long as it ends up tying back to jimmy marsh's musical career so he said i like the name jimmy <laughs> Oh, okay. oh, why, Marsh? I just do. Be quiet. I just do. <laughs> Nobody, uh, I've noticed, speaking of the name Jimmy, there has been a, it's been pretty good on fantasy names. I feel like we never talked about this. I feel like Zane is pushing it. Yeah, because that's a member of One Direction. <laughs> yes, and I've, I've met someone named Zane in real life. Like, I know that it's a real name. The, I don't think there's been one at all except for ska obviously but that's uh i feel like all of the fantasy names have been pretty good here and he's i think he's good at also making like you know he doesn't have to make a whole language but he's like okay so like all the terrace names are gonna sort of have the same feel to them or like all the uh noble names are sort of gonna have the same feel um which is cool yeah it is cool um but anyway, says it is by himself because Marsh has left on his musical career, and he finds a village where there's just a bunch of dead ska, and he finds a survivor, and some of them were killed by the mist, and the rest of them like hid inside because the mist like hung out there in that village all day for like weeks or something like that. Yeah, or maybe not. They might have just not looked. Yeah, because there's or... no way to open the door without the mist coming in except maybe there is but maybe not this mist i don't know or they're just like scared yeah i don't know but yeah they fucking starved to death in there and they eat their their friends and family that was fucked up and there's one silly guy who's there is not uh <laughs> not as dead as he seems but that's all that happens there 
as Sazed's like, I gotta get back to Luthadel. Yeah, that guy who is not dead doesn't give any new information, does he? Or he just, re- oh, I think he reaffirms the mist did this. Because Sazed, for some reason, still isn't like 100% buying it. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it, this is what it takes. I feel like he buys it now. He gets it now. But this guy is, uh, he's gone absolutely crazy. And there's a funny moment where Sazed becomes really buff and picks him up and takes him out of the house to show him that the mist <laughs> is gone. <laughs> But poor guy, man, I can't, that'd be really fucked up. That's another thing too, is like, it feels like sometimes in this book, like it doesn't really, this is another thing like from the previous book, like it describes some pretty horrendous stuff, but it's like always vaguely like it's okay still, you know? Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's, there's never like the point of view of this guy and all the emotional anguish he's suffered over the past couple of weeks. He's just like a minor character. You can like stay, you see it. You understand the implications, but like you're never as a reader in it. Yeah, it's violence as a as a plot point and not a character motivation. Like says it is not changed by what he sees. It is yeah. just uh, he has new information. In fact, that's all of the like you're you're so right about what you said earlier about the action slash plot moving forward and the character things do happen separately like there's a moment in the previous book the first time vin kills somebody she is like moved by it but that is not that i mean it comes back again later at the end of part two i guess but the book kind of doesn't care about that question for the first half of this book it's just like no killing people with magic is fucking sweet so we don't gotta worry about that yeah and like the things that happen and the things that characters do don't really like affect them or each other in any deep way other than oh here's the implications of that in terms of what I what I have to do next. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. There's no I mean, characters have deep conversations, but they're like it's not about it's not about what happened and how it affected them. It's about like some other thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the themes of the book for the reader. It's not really for them. That's why I think it's gonna feel like sanitized almost or more Y A E. Because I think also Brandon Sanderson doesn't like violence, but like in order to like have plot in a fantasy thing, like you have to, you have to have some sort of violence. So like it, it is like a weird, like it keeps it very PG 13. <laughs> it is PG 13. Yeah. Because the, I noticed that in the, in the first big stretch, of this book, I was like, Oh, there's no, I mean, there's that action scene uh, where she kills those mistings and the one Alamancer bad guy or the one, uh, uh, mistborn uh, assassin but there's really no uh i feel like brandon sanderson thinks that and i could be wrong but that the the only point violence serves is to like be shocking or to like be a plot point yeah like oh there has to be a battle now and the battle has to be violent because it's a battle well and it's not and it's not i feel like it's not even violence like we see like we see like the effects of violence like in the first book like oh the crew met the crew was slashed there's a bunch of blood everywhere like we don't see them doing that we see i feel like we see action but and i guess people die but like that's not violence you know and it's always just like in his throat got slit and i'm not yeah and I he, and he dropped that- 
you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He crumpled. I want to make it clear that I'm not saying I think the book is bad because there's no violence in it. That is not what I'm saying. I, I guess I'm just saying that it's weird that it's constantly shying away from it, even though you're telling a book about it's the book. It's a book about a society of oppressed people fighting against the ruling class, and you're so scared to talk about the violence. Like well, it's I, just you're, weird. You're ta- I think it's also like. You're scared to have what happens, like, deeply affect the characters in, like, a serious way. Yeah. Because you want to have a fun battle. You don't want to have that fun battle mean that, like, oh, fuck. Well, now Ellen has to be totally different now because of what happened in that battle. And it'd be weird if I just ignored it. But it's like, I don't know. I wish that... This is this might be weird and this might not make any sense. But, so Sazed... There's no reason that Sazed can't have seen the Mist do this other than... Because once he arrives, he tells uh, the crew about the Mists have killed people. And they don't believe him. But if he was like, I saw the Mists kill people, they would have just been like, I, it had to have been something else. Like, we achieved that same thing. I just feel like I'm not as scared of the... I'm not scared of the Mists... Uh, because I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's show. It's showing. It's not tell. It's telling me. It's not showing me. Mm-hmm. Which I understand. Like coming upon the aftermath of a battle and coming to some conclusion about it is not bad storytelling. But that's the only thing that ever happens. <laughs> yeah. It, except for like the big bat. There's fight scenes and the big battle at the end of the first book. Mm-hmm. But the fight scene. But like the implication, the fight scene is like, oh, I'm out of adium now. Which means next fight scene will be bad if they have Adium. Yeah, like it's, it's not, not like you know. Oh, here's just another. I just killed eight people. <laughs> Which is why the stuff with Zane, I think, doesn't work. And that's the that's what I was saying. There's I don't know if I said this, but there's one thing I don't like at all so far, and it's that Vin is being like turned to the dark side or whatever because she's she's like uh being i mean that's a cool thought it's just that she has no reason to be sad about the violence because we've never seen her be sad about the violence because we never see the violence yes because or sad about like being used by ellen which like there's never he's not doing he has it He, like, only did it during the scene where she's upset about it. Like, it's not like yeah. she's always... He's never he's done always, it before. She's always done it voluntarily. She's always like, I'm going to yeah. check the windows. I'm going to go, you know, and watch you fast, things. he's always like, you're too paranoid, stay here. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you talking about? Which I think some of it, too, is like... And especially in the first book, you know, I think some of the issues with Vin's character do get hand-waved away because, like, it's trauma it's childhood trauma which i think it's sure but it doesn't read like genuine childhood trauma it just reads like a character with no internal struggle or consistent internal struggle but like the main character has to have one so i guess right it'll be this one except she solved it at the end of the first book so now we need another one yeah and it's that she she's feeling used or she's beginning to feel like she's being used and I originally, like, it's so weird to me that she doesn't have a problem with the burner. Like, she does once against the guards. And then it's just awesome 
badass but stuff. Mac, and but it's that, not... Mac, that means we have to think about the fact that she's murdering people, and they're not just cool, fun action scenes. I know. It. Oh, man, it sucks to think that that's just what it is, and there's no getting around that. That you forget it's in such an emotionally fraught world where, like, ash falling from the sky, red sun. Like, it's, a, a, it's like a hellscape, but everyone's sort of just, like, mildly concerned about what's going on, and it doesn't really affect them. And I guess you can put that under the bucket of, like, oh, they're used to it. But, like, that also doesn't give the reader the experience. We're not used to it. Yeah, I know. That's why I always have to remind myself, like, no, she's not jumping through a forest. Like, there's no plants larger, taller than, like, your ankle. Yeah. Like, there's no... Like, this is... It's so crazy how many of these issues get solved in The Way of Kings. Like, he realized it. So, the whole entire... If you've never read The Way of Kings, that book mostly follows... Now, I guess not mostly, uh, follows a character, eh, I don't know, a shit ton of it. The most memorable parts of it take place in this, like, terrible battlefield, uh, where Cal- Kaladin's his name, right? Yeah. Uh, he is, um, he is the fish out of waters. Like, he is introduced to this terrible part of the world, and so is the reader. And it doesn't feel like a history lesson because this is like new. Like, oh shit, like this war, there's crazy shit going on. And like, what's up with this? There's like monsters in the fucking ground and sh- crazy stuff's happening. But this is like, these people have been living for a thousand years. So there's no way they would ever question it. But it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. And we have no opportunity to get to revel in how crazy it looks. Mm-hmm. Because it's not crazy to them. It just looks like that. And in fact, here we go again. There's another part where they're like, green plants. I know. Shut I thought about that up. too. Like, we did this already. <laughs> we know they think green plants are weird. It's like that's the only way he I can know. tell us how to remind <laughs> that, like, everything's brown. And it also doesn't matter. Like, I never think of things as everything is brown, and it's never important. So what does it matter that everything's brown? It doesn't have to be other than, like the state of the world is directly related to the false lord ruler or at least that's well, and the they, and they could have done more with like i think they start doing this but like with like the crops and food and it's really hard to grow like they could talk like you could have done more like that because like it does affect like oh there's more ash now um and like maybe the ash could have had weather patterns so we're always reminded of that that they have to take into account like i think there's there's ways you could have done it that would have been relevant to the characters um yeah you're right because the weather does change like the night is coming sooner and uh i guess the ash falls are falling more frequently now that the lord ruler is gone yeah and the mists are coming out soon yeah but it's just weird that like that's it like there's no it doesn't feel distinguishable yet i mean it might start to feel distinct but like what the i don't know what it ash fall falling heavy i thought it was falling heavy the whole time like i don't know what that (laughs) looks like yeah and that's the hard thing about setting your like world in like the post-apocalypse uh because you don't so in in a video game for example like fallout new vegas you're playing a character who existed in this post-apocalyptic world beforehand but since it's a video game you have the opportunity to ask questions about the world and then people react to you like what do you t- you don't you don't know this like well, they think you're and an idiot. like and like as a video game like you can literally see it all around you as you're playing which is like for words in a book you have to like be reminded or there has to be some sort of 
reason that the characters would be reminded of it. And you know what's interesting? The book, the first book started out, I, I think the first two, maybe the first three, but the first two chapters, prologue and chapter one, begin with Ash fell from the sky. I thought that's how every chapter was going to begin. <laughs> and that's how it should begin because then I would always remember like, oh, that's right. Shit is fucked up and terrible. I just feel like the world building, I think the you, the world that this book takes place in is really lacking and i think that the uh there's no interesting uh character feelings about the world or the violence around them because why would there be it's just the world but also like yeah i don't know that to, to my mind like you could say like oh it's just they're used to it but like you know ultimately you need to i think have like you're writing a book that other human beings in our world are going to read and you want to read you as a human being want to read books about other human beings in a yeah. different world so like to have them act have the characters act and feel more like normal human beings i think would be good and that's this sort of comes this sort of comes back to like the i think it's a common criticism in these books that the characters aren't super fleshed out or interesting i don't think they suck they're fine they're definitely a lot better in this book oh my god yeah they they <laughs> are not, a lot better. they're not all video game npcs yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah this this book is a that that aspect of the these books is a lot better uh in this book because i was trying to think we were just talking about the like how do you because it sounds pretty dumb like if you're listening to this and you hear like, well, well, the the fantasy characters don't think the world is weird because they live in it, and like, yeah, you're right. Like that does sound fucking stupid, but I guess what we mean is like, there. I'm trying to think of any other book ever. Okay, just we were. Just, I was talking about George R. R. Martin earlier. In a Game of Thrones, there's not like a guy from our world who falls into that world and needs to learn, <laughs> like is spoon fed the information about it. Characters in those books. You just kind of like absorb it. It's a, yeah, it's immersive. I think, and that's like a writing thing. Like you can you can have characters immersed in the world and see things in a way that, from a certain way that they normally would see things, that would translate to the reader because these are all like POV stuff. Yeah, and it also helps that in most other books, places look different. Like in a Game of Thrones. In that just that first book, A Game of Thrones, there's a fucking 900 foot ice wall and like a cool like uh, wintry castle and uh, uh, King's Landing, which is like this bustling city full well, of. Well, and they talk about how like you know the northern dominances are more cold, and I think wherever they go to like this the conventicle of Saran, like. That's cool. I think they talk about there's some different climate. I imagine that more of like a windswept, sort of yeah. more d- deserty, but also like darker or something. And what like, do you mean it's deserty? It would just be covered in fucking ash, and it looks the same. Like, yeah. I, the crater is cool. Like, that's a cool image, and it's like sunken into this crater. Well, and then occasionally, like, there's one or two sentences where a character like looks at the horizon and then like oh an ash mount is more active now and they see like the ash coming from the ash mount and like why like i feel like we should get those details all the time or like more like when people be always be looking at the what the ash mounts are doing today 
because that affects like how much ash they're gonna have to clean up later or something you know or like oh then that affects the crops and like you would have you would have obligators who are keeping track of the ash mounts because the weather would influence the crops like you could you could do all that i think and it wouldn't necessarily add to the page count of this book nope we need in the first book none of that can happen because i need to know how the scott eat do they get a meal ticket <laughs> what happens here what Is do you like mean a weird come charity up scheme soup kitchen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever all right anyway i think and that's i mean we could talk about this later too or we'll talk about it now like where it's it is so weird because sometimes sanderson answers questions you didn't know you wanted answered and sometimes that's cool and sometimes it's like what could we have used we could have used that somewhere else and i think it's like you know revelations about lore sort of treated as plot twists and that's i think part of the it's not but that's like part of the appeal but like there's a certain large amount of them so it feels like super impressive but individually they're not super interesting beyond like i didn't know that yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) like you could learn about horrible history atrocities you'd be like i did not know that like but it doesn't (laughs) like i don't know you can learn about crazy information Uh, 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 i don't know it just feels like this i feel like i've never experienced this in like other fantasy books like being so bored by the fantasy world part of it i don't know like even books that like have very stereotypical fantasy worlds you know i mean using the lord of the rings as an example is tough because you know that said a lot of it but that's not boring I think it comes down to the characters. Yeah. Like, I think part of what I'm having trouble with rereading these books is that, like, so much of the plot relies on, like, one, not knowing what's going to happen, and, like, two, not knowing something about the world. And, like, once you know those things, say, from having read it before, like, I'm sort of reading these, like, desperately looking for anything that is not those two things and like the characters in this book kind of did it the characters in the first book did not do it so like once you know what the magic system is once you know where it goes like you know other stories you can sort of appreciate how something happened or like certain character moments Uh, like but those things are so separate in this book and like plot moves forward by other things things that the characters didn't know were gonna ha- was gonna happen happened or like re- revelation about the world is like whoa now that makes sense but like i'm rereading it and so that does make sense and so like it feels like beyond withheld information there's just not a lot of meat on the bone in terms of a reread yeah that's what i i mean it's a story that rests on its twists i feel and that's not ever a good story like that's not because you know who the conjure spy is so like why do you give you're like fuck can we just get there already like i'm sure that's how you're feeling like, you already know the vin's like i gotta test this person and do this person and that's only interesting because of the mystery it's not like a good mystery movie where you can rewatch it and see like oh there's the red herring there's no red herring she just tests them and then it's over <laughs> well and and it's like she, you know, maybe th- could this be like her her betrayal stuff coming up again? I think it mentions it for like one section, and then like you could imagine like, oh man, you know, once Vin finds out who it really is, like that's really going to uh, 
like I'm not looking forward to seeing her go through that again, you know. But like one, that stuff doesn't happen in these books and two like you don't care enough about vin in the first place to be like oh what happens is going to affect them in some deep way because nothing has affected anyone in any deep way to begin with so why would you expect that to come later and just a note it'd be way better if it wasn't a chandra and it really was one of them betrayed the group because like that's what the whole that's what vin's whole thing in the first book is and that's such a good way to dismantle it and we can redo it again like that's just fucking do it again because reen didn't actually betray her i always think about that too like like what is like okay if we have to focus on the characters like because i'm like i need to find something in these characters to like (laughs) grab onto as a human being because i know all the twists part of my thing is like could you make it like vin actually like vin never actually gets betrayed (laughs) she just feels like she gets betrayed yeah so like we have a book where like she actually gets betrayed and like maybe you say oh kelsier lied to her but like you know that does not count no uh, no she didn't lie to like yeah because she thinks that like or sir you hid this information from me why'd you do that and he's like what do you because I was told to. That's not a betrayal. And like, that's what I say about like, the shying away of like making characters actually go through something. Like it's they're mildly to moderately concerned about something and how it affects <laughs> them. And then the twist is that thing was never true to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's not, yeah, they don't have to overcome anything because it was never there in the first place. Yeah, they're, co- they're concerned that they might have to overcome something, but the twist is there's nothing everything to overcome. <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine and no one changes. So that's my experience of <laughs> rereading these books. Which, and I, and I feel for you too, where like, it does, like, you know, it's the volume of things that make it compelling. And, like, at the end, you know, when he explains everything, even the things you didn't want explained, like, it removes that bit of mystery. Like, I, there's not even any mystery for me. No, Because literally not. every question you have, Mac, because you're a smart reader, can and will be explained about every inch of this world and what has happened in it. <laughs> and, like, yeah. I read things online. I'm like, why am I struggling with this book? And, like, people talk about, like, that's a great thing. Like, that's so cool. And I think it is on your first reread you're like wow that was awesome but then like it all sort of resolves and then everything's fine like there's no it's there's no open-ended there's nothing that's super morally vague there's no like conflicted characters it's not you don't disagree with their choices like everyone's sort of making generally the most logical obvious choice because they're all like default they're like D intelligence 10 maybe 12 there's no uh it really feels like it's like a marvel movie not to dunk on marvel movies but it's just like yeah the good guys uh they they'll they'll win (laughs) i don't know no one's really gonna get too hurt or die unexpectedly like you you don't know what's gonna happen but like you know you feel like you know how you're gonna feel by the end yeah absolutely. i yeah you're totally right like i already am anticipating the feeling of finishing this book and being like oh and then that'll be it and then i'll start the third one <laughs> and it may be cool and unexpected and not exactly what you thought but like because i've read books where like page to page like i have no conception of how i'm even gonna feel at the end of the next chapter about what happened because there's just like crazy shit happening and that's not just twists you know like that's very different than plot twists yeah it's fucking 
real good character moments. But there's that's not that's not what this book is concerned with. It tries to be though. I mean, this is definitely Brandon Sanderson's attempt at with the Zane and and we'll talk about it more when that actually happens. But when Zane goes full tilt and trying to get uh, Vin to switch teams, that's he's trying to do it there. It just doesn't work. Uh, and I think that this stuff actually does crop up in his other work. Like there's in the Way of Kings, there's probably eight different times that Kaladin is sad and wants to kill himself. And every time that happens, you think it's the last time because like <laughs> I feel like we've learned enough and don't need to experience this again. And then like oh no, something bad happens again because he needs Brandon Sanderson needs to let you, the reader, know like he is responding negatively to this. And that is the next step from this, which is just nothing. But that's still not a great place to end up. Like, I, it needs to... I don't know, man. Just write fucking better characters. Hang out with people. I, I really... Listen, I've never written a book, but fucking A, man. I, I... Ugh. I just... I've talked to people, you know? I know... Yeah. Or, like, I... Or, like, I have a soul and i have like struggled in my life with things and it's like very strange to be like how does one struggle with this thing and like not being able to show it or know like i don't know because like it's so like technically proficient but like it is like it is like you know story but you got off on a technicality (laughs) like yeah let's like if you yeah you you got 10 on the paper, but, like, I'm not feeling anything. Yeah. There is an exception to this, and it is at the very end of Chapter 2. I think it is... Or, um, sorry, Part 2. I think it is fucking awesome what happens at the end of this part, excluding the Vin Zane stuff, the Ellen and his dad stuff. Fucking rules. And I think that is so good. And it's just do that the whole book. Or, or even, like, I think you can earn those, like two characters talking like i was really digging the vin or sir scene yeah, where they like too. open up about it to each other and like oh maybe he doesn't know this about me but like this is how i'm feeling and they find like some common ground after not like that is how you do a proper like sit and talk character scene that feels good and like nice and satisfying to read yeah like that scene is awesome i think that's actually next so they uh vin and or sir uh oh wait no it's not oh wait yeah it is no well yes, we haven't even is. talked about uh ellen's new tutor so ellen uh is like who's that uh terrorist woman and it's tindwell and she's here to train ellen to be king and it's hand waved away that says it just asked her to be there yeah well and i think i also too and i wonder if it's just like my desperation for a character (laughs) interesting character things and the fact that like oh ellen isn't just good at being king automatically and has to change things about it like okay a character who is forced to change that's sort of like story 101 but i'm like (laughs) (laughs) but i'm like oh a breath of fresh air well it's cool because this introduces like ellen in him he actually does start to change, and Vin is like, oh, I don't know if I like this person. And that's that's so good, but it's just, you know, in a grand total, it's about 1,100 pages into this story. <laughs> yeah, and, like, that's a character, th- like, that is, events happen that influence how the characters, that makes the characters change, 
which influences other like it's just I, I don't know like it feels like that's good it feels good out of there. place because yeah. <laughs> it's what it's supposed to be weirdly yeah i know yeah i know it just feels very or maybe i don't know i i think that's a cool idea that i don't i'm not sure i've really seen is the 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 boy king needs to actually learn how to be king and is not just good and everybody loves him. I feel like that's not something that I've really seen before. And I think that's why I like it so much is that it's, I don't think it's just good because the rest of this is kind of meh, but it's actually good and it's actually interesting. So yeah, what's her name? Telendil, right? Tindwill, I think. Tindwill, yeah, yeah, you're right. So Tindwill is a, a fucking asshole, but she's... Uh, doing it for the right reasons. She's good at her job. She's trying to get Ellen to stand up straight and actually be a king. So, and this is good stuff too. She's purposely like being an asshole to try to get him to for be forceful with his language and in telling her to stop. And then later when she's like being nice to Vin, Vin's like, "Why aren't you being mean to me?" He's like, "Ellen's been pampered his whole life. He can be mean. <laughs> like you've had a rough time of it. I'll be nice to you." Yeah. And then twenty seconds later, she's like, "What the?" is going on and then she's like i'm sorry i have a hard time uh, so like no you are actually just a mean person which is very funny vin runs into the mist spirit again in like a building uh which is strange and it grabs her and like hurts her which could be tied to the mist also out there killing people you know yeah i feel like it is safe to say that this is the first manifestations of the um overarching overarching uh problem which is uh and i think it's such a corny name the deepness uh speaking of fantasy names i think the deepness is terrible just call it the darkness i don't you can just do that it's okay we we won't make fun of you but it has to be unique yeah i guess but it's just funny where vin sees a stat like mist is a pool like mist is You've, ever, you've seen mist in your life. It's like a pool. It, I don't know. You know what mist looks like. And the statues of the Lord Ruler defeating the deepness, they're like, what's that pool of stuff? I don't get it. Like, what do you mean you don't get it? It's the fucking mist. Well, I think it's I think it's portrayed as, like, black, like a black void in the thing, which isn't necessarily mist. Mist is white. I guess, <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I've, I've never I've, seen Black so this Mist. is a sort of detailed uh, uh, book reporting that you get here on <laughs> Hardcore Hooligans. Mist is white, folks. If you are in high school, tell your teacher that Mist is white. That is crude oil, not mist. Uh, you can tell because of the color. <laughs> oh my god, the Lord Ruler destroyed BP in the... Oh my god, Vin works for the fucking oil companies. I think he spent all those thousand years just like washing little ducks with Dawn's soap. I think so. <laughs> I think so. He seems like that kind of guy, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he get she gets fucked up by that uh, spirit, and she's like, well, I'm never going to go hang out with that dude ever again. Well, and then, this is the other thing, too. I think Vin, there's too many character things going on for Vin that aren't cohesive. Because then she's like, you know, the mist were my strength, and now I'm like starting to be afraid of them. Which is like, that is like, there's interesting character things with Vin, but there's like so many of them, like... Each plot line has also its own Vin character uh, thing, which also makes it hard to oh, care. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Like, Vin, Vin in the Mist is like, she's scared of the Mist. Vin with Zane is like, oh, I'm just being used because I'm an Alamancer. Vin with Ellen is like, do I even like him anymore? And it's like, Vin 
pick a lane. Yeah, just do one. I and if I had to choose, it would be because uh, you wouldn't have to rewrite the whole book to have her actually being used by Ellen. It would be this one, the mist, being afraid of the mist. Because she's like, what if she? Oh, she gets betrayed not by a person, but by the one thing she thinks she can control, which is like her magic and the nighttime. Which might be what, like, that is obvious, like, I to me, I feel like what it's trying to go for. But if I, we gotta do that and this other shit, dude, I am gonna get exhausted by the end of this fucking book. Mm-hmm. And I could also see a way you could, like, because it feels the same thing, like, oh, Ellen, they're just, she's just being used, and also Ellen's turning to someone I don't like. Like, you, there's a way you can combine that into, like, sort of one thing. Yeah, which I don't, uh, I, I think it just would have been better... It just could be could be done better than this. Well, because the first book is like the criticism is Vin's too much one note. This is like she's not one note now, is she? She's going through a lot of things at once, and it's confusing and messy, and you don't know what to care about. Yeah, you, her and Ellen's relationship, I never thought was weird until about three hundred pages in or whatever. She's talking to Tindwill, and they're like, "What even are you guys?" And she's like, "Oh, I have no idea." Like, what do you mean? You guys kiss and hold hands all the fucking time. What do you mean you don't know what you are? <laughs> then you also see a version of the book where, like, you know, Vin's never been in a relationship before, and she can struggle with that. And it's like, but but then you also have like the world saving part of it. So again, it's like trying to do a lot. Also, it could have just been avoided by making Ellen. Why Ellen has to be such a goody two shoes good guy is so bizarre. Just make him actually use Vin, like send yeah, yeah, her yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you'd be like, wow, Ellen, that's fucked up. And then when Vin comes to that realization through Zane, then it's like, oh, shit. We have an actual character moment we can build to. And aside from Ellen literally being like, you should go to sleep and eat this food and not kill for me. And she's like, I'm being used. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> or, like, Ellen betraying Vin. Like, just 100%. And you know the fact that I said it and I read the books... You know, you also, you know what kind of books these are. That doesn't really happen. (laughs) I was never thinking that that was going to happen. The one thing that I can foresee, uh, and I think is probably going to happen, is that Ellen is going to become, like, a legit king. And that means that the divide between them is going to grow even larger. But Ellen is a good guy. He is the good guy. And Vin is the character who maybe will be tainted by the, the dark side. Okay, we got a lot of plot to get through here. So Vin gets attacked by this, the mist monster thing. And then she remembers that in Elendi's logbook from the first book, there may be some other pages that we didn't get in the first book that yeah, she then reads. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, oh, this, it mentions this mist wraith. <laughs> it mentions the same thing that Elendi was, had a mist spirit following him. And I don't know why. I mean, I know that it's a book and that it needs to be long. But why does she not immediately put it together that... She's the hero. <laughs> like, I <don't> <laughs> like, I don't get it. She hears the Well of Ascension. Like, literally. In, she's the, like, in the mountains. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean, what's that? It Just do it already. Like, this is... Like, the book is not interesting enough for me to want to see Vin come to those conclusions. Just get Be- there. Yeah, because I just you don't, need you to get there. Because that's the thing. Because you don't <laughs> trust that, like, you can make it interesting or that you care enough about Vin and how it might affect her and her relationships. Because you know, on a deep level, like... It won't, because it hasn't shown to. Like, you know, she's going to get to the well. (laughs) She's going to become the hero of ages, get to the well of Ascension, take up all the power, save the world. And she's going to be like, but maybe I'll still going to betray me. Like, she's not going to (laughs) change. 
I know. The only... I really, I really think none of this shit at all is in the first book. Okay, it obviously you, the reader, can draw the conclusion fucking instantly that she's the hero of ages. I think the book wants you to think it's Kelsier, but if you thought it was Kelsier for a second, <laughs> you need to go back to English class in your ninth in the ninth grade because no, it's Vin. The interesting part is that like Vin is struggling with the same shit that the guy is struggling with, the old hero. He's like, through uh, Quan's perspective, he's like, oh, this person is, Elendi is different now. Like, he's killing people and, like, raising armies and doing this shit. And Vin isn't raising armies, but she's killing people and being violent. And the fact that she is not instantly like, what the hell is not, is so (laughs) frustrating to me. Because, like, that would be a fine character thing for her to be like, oh, my God. Like, just come to that real... We're halfway through the fucking book, and she hasn't come to the realization. I will cut off my penis on a live (laughs) version of this podcast if she isn't the hero. Okay, so we have to talk about the rest of this section. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, So, Zane. We find out Zane is Straff's son by one (gasps) of his many... Uh, like concubine people who he has sex with to try to make yes. a lot of alamancers. It's crazy. <laughs> good evil villain stuff. It is good evil villain stuff. Straff is awesome. The bad guys, like, you know, the mist kills people. Like, that's a vague source of threat. Like, how do you even stop that? It's everywhere. Whatever. Straff is like a good villain. The Lord Ruler, yes, he is. like, you never saw him, but he was like the villain. And that's the other thing, like, it felt like it was missing. Like, there wasn't a good villain. Like, the Steel, the steel Inquisitors are basically robots. And the Lord Ruler wasn't in the book until the last, like, ten pages. And he died. And then he died. (laughs) Um, And so this, like, Straff is, like, you know, personal relationship, fucking crazy. He has a crazy henchman. And Zane hears thoughts in his head that everyone he looks at, the the voice says, kill him. You should kill him. Is he bothering you? Kill him. And it's that voice is God. It is referred to in the book. Which is, I think, is kind of cringy. But... It's it, it's a cool character detail. What is your what's your take on that? Like, why is it happening? Yeah. Um, I think he's probably. I hate it. The characters love to call them. I'm insane. I fucking hate it. That happens so many times <laughs> in these books. Kelsier's like, well, I'm insane, of course. I want to shut <laughs> shut up. It's a card. It's like a, it's a middle school cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why Kelsier fucking sucks. But Zane is. Uh, He's probably, like, magically... He probably had a fucked up childhood, but uh, so did Vin, and Vin does not hear the voice telling her to kill people. So I think that uh, she he probably uh, has the proclivity for evil, like Vin seems to have the proclivity for good. Like, she's the hero and he's the villain, I guess, except he doesn't want to be the villain, which is important. He wants to be a cool, good guy. But he doesn't know if he can. I mean, I like Zane. I actually, like, did this time. Like, I don't... Oh, I, I like his character. I just don't like the kill him godsend. And I think he might... Um, I think he gets more into, like, actual love triangle territory, which I think gets kind of cringe. But, like, I think the, the idea... The idea of he feels like Vin can save him. I think that's an interesting dynamic. But then the issue is when you're seeing it through Vin's eyes... He's like a different person saying to Vin, like, he's just using you. But, like, from his own personal bit, like, it's like different people. Like, I think if he had one thing, it'd be like, a, it'd be solid. Because it's interesting when he's like, he's using you because that's what he thinks. 
uh, he's not. And Vin shouldn't believe him, but she starts to, which is where it goes wrong. I think it's fine for Zane to say that because uh, he thinks it because Straff uses him. And so he just must assume that Ellen is using Vin. Or have Vin have actual doubts about Ellen, you know, but they've been together for like a year. They've had a relationship for like a year. So that's hard to actually do, you know. Founded on a lie, by the way. They fell in love with each other when she was she was betraying his trust, and that is not part of the book. Yep, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. It doesn't affect anyone on any deep level. They're fine. No. Uh, so the other cool thing about Straff is he lets people poison him. That was and fucking, then he's like, "You're trying to poison awesome. me." <laughs> and then later he like gets an antidote from his like antidote woman. Like that's what makes him a cool villain. He's like hemlock today. <laughs> Good try, buddy. And Zane's like, "Fuck! I thought that would work this time." It's so good that he drinks it, and then as soon as Zane leaves, he's like, "Give me the antidote now." <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> the one of the last big things that happens is Sezed still trudging on back to Luthadel. He comes across the army of Kolas in the field, and they were mentioned. We never talked about them in the first book. They were mentioned in the first book a couple times, uh, and they are violent blue like hulks who don't stop growing but their skin is always the same size and it's it is discovered that uh ellen's old friend jasties <laughs> is leading them and he's like he's very he's kind of funny <laughs> he is funny because he thinks he's in control and keeps telling says that he's like in control and says is like dude you're hanging on by a thread here <laughs> and it's funny that he's like you're my servant now and says it is like no and he goes hmm very well <laughs> he doesn't force says to be his he's like interesting yes i agree says is like i'm gonna leave and he's like no you can't i'll send the guards after you he's like so there are few are guarding you from the coloss he's like never mind <laughs> <laughs> i like that scene and the the coloss are i don't know they, do, they don't really do anything for me i guess i didn't think i mean i think that they're described as being cool but they're just another fantasy barbaric society they might become interesting i wish that i don't know maybe one of our main characters they weren't all fucking white humans i feel like we could have done oh i mean one of them is a dog but uh <laughs> i feel like maybe there could have been more of this in the first book we're like oh not everybody uh, looks the exact same yeah <laughs> oh wow well i mean the people from terrace are ostensibly brown-skinned that's true <laughs> wow yeah so you know there we go check that again like on a technicality is like we've got brown people and we've got blue people so you can't say they're all white people <laughs> You, I was thinking about this a lot uh, when we were reading this. You said, I think in the probably the first episode of the last book, you said that, um, or in the previous book rather, you said that you really wish there was another woman. And I agreed with you then, but I think you were saying that with, because I was just, I hated everybody. So I, <laughs> I didn't really care who they were. But in this book, I'm like, yeah. I really... And there is another woman, but this is not what I meant. I did not mean Oloria or whatever. That's not what I meant. Yeah. Well, and Tindwell, I guess, is a woman. But, like, again, supporting role to the... Teach the teach the boiled man-child how to do stuff. To say that this book uh, does not pass the Bechdel test would be a thundering understatement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, this is where uh, Seth's daughter escapes from the army, uh, asks for asylum because she has a thing for Breeze. Her name's Ariane, and she's very um, traditionally feminine in every way. And that's all we know so far. Yeah, I really hope 
she's not just there for comedy because i'll <laughs> shoot i will hang myself they're having like a meeting by the way there's a shit ton of crew meetings in this book but i actually think they're all good they, yeah they make sense it's not so like the same thing <laughs> the inexplicable two crew meetings where they talk about the same stuff in the first book <laughs> no the she l- listens to them talk and she she kind of comes around the corner and is like, what are you talking about? And she's dressed really nice, but her hair is disheveled. And Ellen is like, oh, she must have been listening. Uh, which I was like, oh my god, she's a spy. <laughs> which She's like an Alamancer spy. I thought that was so cool. She's like, thought there was a party. I, it's like, I, I don't get the impression that she was a spy. I think that'd be awesome. But... Uh, it, I, I well, I think it would be awesome, and I also think it'd be really stupid because that's the most obvious spy in the whole world. Uh, <laughs> the one but... that comes from the other army. <laughs> yeah, it just says, "Can I come in?" And now this this is actually the part of the book where Vin and Orsur have the nice scene about more about Kandra and the contract and being used. I love this scene; it was great. This is probably my favorite part of the two chapters, honestly, aside from the ending of part two. Uh, or the two parts, not two chapters. I really like that there's a moment where Orser says something about Kondra that might help Vin in her search for the spy, but she decides not to say anything because she knows if she does, he will close up again. That's so cool. I was like, oh my god, so he, ha- Brandon Sanderson has talked to somebody. Yeah, like once it's rooted in something, like I think once it's not like so clinical, like that's like a moment you discover while you're writing. That's not like an outline moment. And I think that's like some of the stuff, the twists and stuff feel like, you know, Brandon Sanderson has never not used a twist that he could have, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and I like that the here, you know, Vin comes to the realization that they're pretty much the exact same. And I like that he likes being a dog because I like the fact that there's a talking dog in the book. <laughs> Big fan that there's a talking dog. Talking dog that can, like, open its shoulder and put a little vial that, of metal in. Oh, God, that was fucked up. But, yeah. And I like that it finally... I'd forgotten about this, too, because we were complaining about, like, why does Vin irrationally just hate uh, Kandra? And I, and I feel like she just was, and then this was... I don't think it was planned that this was why she was. Uh, yeah, no, definitely I think this not. Was, because this was... I think this is feels like a good explanation of like, oh, it's because, you know, Kelsier trusted you more than you trusted me. And that's not what it is. It's explicitly in the first book that uh, he, he ate his bones. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's what it is. Yep. And then this scene is finally like, maybe he, he realized like, that doesn't really hold a lot of water if I want to make this Vin character seem like a real person. And I, I think that's a fine enough reason. And I also like how he's just like, hey, I'm I'm sorry, but no, like that's not, he told me not to do that. So next is when Ellen and Vin go to the parlay at uh, Straff's camp. And there's a whole buildup to this about like the politics and the assembly and Ellen has to get permission, but whatever, who cares? He, he got permission. He sort of strong armed the assembly to go to do a parlay at straps and their plan is to double team sort of play both sides and be like okay we'll ally with straff and then they'll go to set be like ally with set to like make them attack each other and hopefully somehow retain control of the city which as far as plans go this is a fucked situation it's not a terrible plan no it's pretty good and there's no whiteboard where kelsier writes jokes on it so there's that (laughs) 
and they and they talk about it long enough to see to like brainstorm and arrive at it but not so long that uh, like uh-huh. we have to show how this idea happens in real time like you can just say that they had this idea like we don't need to have a meeting where everyone gives their two cents and then our main character has the genius idea that makes the plan happen uh so they go to the meeting it's not going well uh ellen's trying to like oh wait 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 sorry just one important thing in the story of the book i guess vin has gone dress shopping and i know what you're thinking that doesn't sound very important but you're right it's not but it is an excuse to get her in front of a lot of people and when that happens uh the church of the survivor people again are like begging her for help and she is learning to be like a queen like in this moment of or, or or like a royal protector, I guess, which is what she really is. And let's count them. That is Vin's fourth character journey. Because when she's with Tindwill, it's about how, how does she deal with being the heir to the survivor. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Fuck. You're, there's too much going on. And and then you don't make progress to each of them. It's like it swung the other way. Like the first book had Vin is too one note, but like and this is like Vin has too many things. So that means that the third book, that means the third book we got to go right in the middle. Uh, does I mean one would hope, right? You've read this before without any spoilers. Is there a satisfying conclusion to any of these character journeys? Um, in this book, not. I don't remember. I don't remember a lot from that this book. Not, that does not fill me with confidence. <laughs> and that's the thing. Did you remember, like, the first book? Like, you remember how the plot twists made you feel. And that's... Yeah, what did you remember, like, of the first... You were saying you kind of vaguely remembered... You remembered all the important bits, and then you realized you were attributing parts from, like, this book and the third book onto the first one. What were the uh, marquee moments so far in the series that you remembered? So far? Like, for the from the first book, I'm like, all right, first book, Allomancy, they kill the Lord... Kelsier dies, they kill the Lord Ruler. <laughs> one of those things is immediate, and then the other two are in the last ten pages. Yeah, I also <laughs> remember. I also remember, like in terms of like good character moment, when Kelsier gets enraged at Marsha's death and goes destroys the pits of Hathseen. Like I think that was cool. I remember that as well. From this book, I think it's stuff that came later. I think I also read them <laughs> super fast, and I took long time to read this one and i think that's why i'm having a hard time too rereading that it's like the first time i read them it's very like you know turn on a bit of tv at night before you go to bed like this was my like read a little bit before i go to bed book don't think too much about it but now that like we're in a podcast we're talking about this in this in this spectrum of like fantasy sci-fi literature where i'm like not having a crisis but like (laughs) feel a little bit like i've been duped yeah. <laughs> into thinking, into feeling like these books are maybe better than they are. And I think that comes down to the character stuff. Where, like, once you know what's going to happen and you know the revelations about the world, like, what is left? And it's sort of characters who do things and it's stuff that doesn't affect them in any serious, meaningful way. And so then you don't really care about them. I think it also comes down to crazy good advertising. Like, if you've never read this book, you would probably think, based on the advertising and social media and, like, TikTok and stuff, you'd probably think this is the greatest book series ever written. 
like the way people talk about it. it and I think not. again, people remember, and me too. Like and like how you're getting involved. Like I think it's volume of things add up to like feeling an emotion of like wow this is cool you know which is fine i think that's good but i don't know how well it stands on reread yeah this is not one i think i will ever go back to unless we do a retrospective which might be fun and then maybe like i want to think the last one might because there's you know the whole cosmere stuff like things tie within but things tie in with other books in the whole shared universe but like because this was early on this is like the first book series in that section there's like there's not a lot of interesting things yeah because there's nothing to reference back to or like that's all in the other books i assume i have no idea what that stuff looks like so unless i do i mean i've read the way of kings i'm sure there's little bits in there but i don't know all right so parlay at straffs ellen tries his play doesn't go well Uh, instantly it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. And Straff's like, I'm going to fucking kill you here. And then Ellen's like, oh, shit. And then Ellen threatens Straff to be like, hey, you know, if you kill me, Vin is going to kill you because she's super powerful. And they do like a cool trick where Vin's like outside the tent is super powerful with Straff's emotions. And he lets him go. While Zane is like, I also didn't understand this. Like while I, Zane's just yeah. standing there like whispering in her ear while she's doing this. It was weird. Know. That was what I meant when, like, there's two things happening at once. There's the plot and the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that This is what I was referring to when you made that point. Of, like, it's literally through a wall. Different parts of the story are happening. Mm-hmm. And this is when uh, Vin is like... He, uh, Zane is like, he's using you, you know. And, like, in this instant... Correct. But this is the first <laughs> time. Does Vin not understand that this is the only way... This play is the only way that Ellen gets out of there alive? <laughs> Yeah, and she's, like, so pissed when they go back, and it's like... Like, what? It doesn't make any sense. No. And, like, you know, it it would if, like, she started having her doubts. And, like, you could see how it would... Uh, could tie in where, like, Ellen is changing, and maybe, like, maybe there are a couple times where he sort of uses her, and they don't have a lot of time to talk, and maybe he's more distant now or something. And I think it's tr- yeah. almost trying to do that, but it does It just didn't set it up. No. It set up a lot of other things with a lot of other characters. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it would work better if if he made a promise that, like, oh, I'll never make you do anything for me ever. And then he does do this. And it's, like, not the last gambit. The fact that it's what he says last and is a last-ditch effort to stay alive makes me not buy that she should be upset. If he goes in there and they've, like, developed this plan and he throws it all out the window and then, like, a moment of, like we'll just kill you. Like, he just says that right away. Then Vin can be like, what? Like, you're different now. And that also would not be very good because it comes out of nowhere, but at least it's something. Well, and and that's also the other thing, too, is, like, you know that no matter what happens, it's not going to affect the characters too deeply or seriously in a way that's going to change them. So they, uh, they leave. (laughs) (laughs) They make it back. They leave... And no headway has been made, or are they going to do an alliance, or what's going on? I don't know. I think it's like, he just threatened him, and that's where they are. I think, they, they haven't talked about the implications, because as soon as he gets into the castle, he's like, message for you, sir. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I've been, and then he reads it, and the assembly's like, you're not king anymore. We, we did a vote of no confidence. And that's where part two ends. Which sets up exciting stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's like plot stuff. Like a plot thing happened. Oh, how are they going to get out of this jam? Yeah, but I feel like... And it's it's interesting because that's just because there's no weight. I can literally feel the story being like, well, it can't just be that there's two armies outside of Luthadel the whole time, so something else needs to happen. And so he'll be deposed. And it's like, why? <laughs> what has he been doing in the whole year? He got the vote to do the plan. A majority vote. Well, and it's I, like I, the... could, I could tell how it was set up, too. Like, there were two or three sentences where, like, he skipped some assembly meetings. Like, that's how he Yo. set it up. Like, oh, we'll talk about them at the next assembly meeting. Because he was busy with something. He is the king. And there's a siege. So maybe he doesn't have time to... Uh, I don't know, hang out and talk shop with the fellas. So what did you think about this book, beginning of the second book, like, overall, as a whole? I know we were shitting on it for probably, like, 90 minutes there, but I am actually enjoying it. And I don't know if I'm just enjoying it because the last one was terrible, Uh, but this is good, and this is fun and interesting, uh, so I'm enjoying it. And actually, like, when part two ended, I was upset I could not go f- right in to see what happens next. And that's, I think, that's the great, that's the experience of these books. Like, that's how I felt, too. Like, the, that's fine. That's fine to have them just be sort of popcorn things. I just don't like it when they try to be something more or fail at even being a coherent <laughs> popcorn thing. Or, like, if you're not inherently interested in just reading about a magic system, devoid from oh. devoid from people. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm just happy that that has not happened. Actually, it does with the Ferrukemi stuff. A little bit, but yeah. But for whatever it's reason, better. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting and cool. And I wasn't bored to tears. I think it's because... This is happening while he's going somewhere. And he's and he's using it. Like he knows how to use yeah. it and yeah, he's yeah, yeah. using it. Yeah, that's yeah. And it, yeah, it's just him doing it, which which is cool. And also Ferrochemy is pretty cool. So that helps. I don't necessarily think Alamancy is all that cool. I think Ferrochemy is cool. Mm-hmm. I uh Yeah, I mean I th- everything like, I I thought I've already said in terms of like rereading like the character stuff for me is just too all over the place to get a lot out of it. And so I don't, I haven't found a lot to, which is like, to me is like depressing. <laughs> cause I like, cause I think I really like them and I'm sort of feeling like rereading them is like overwriting my previous positive yeah. memories from them. And maybe it's just the context where we're, rereading it you know that like you have to analyze it or these books don't hold up to a close read there's a reason that in your english 405 uh, course they don't do a uh, mistborn uh, like there some books just don't really hold up to that kind of scrutiny well and i'm also and i'm reading reviews too i'm like am i just going crazy people are like well what don't you like about it and other people say like you know if you like magic systems and plot it's good but like if like but the character stuff is lacking and in my mind i'm like you know what is a book without good characters you know yeah it's not that it's an it's a pamphlet yeah and so i've had like i've I've been doing like soul searching about like what makes good characters like you want you have to want to like as a as a writer or at least this is what i like like you have to be a bit of a masochist 
to be a good writer, which you have to take characters you care about and literally make horrible things happen to them. And I think part of this book and what makes me makes them feel YA or makes them feel less engaging from a character's perspective is like a lot of things are treated like with kid gloves. And I think the characters are too. It's like they're not allowed to go through anything too dire. Which is weird. Because I feel like it's just... Uh, I, I keep going back to the way of kings, so I'm sorry. But I feel like... I feel like characters go through dire shit in that book. So, like, he is yeah, capable. Yeah, I think he gets better. And I, I, I read something online where I think doing the end of The Wheel of Time helped with this stuff. <laughs> I would agree with that. But I think it's important to keep in mind that, like... Do you think he learned a lot by... Because he didn't set up any of the shit he had to ship out he just wrapped it up so it, it's like us like imagine if this is all we had i could wrap it up <laughs> like yeah but i could i can't i don't have the ability to set up this world and then deliver on it yeah so i don't think i'm not sure i just think maybe he become in his writing writing career he finds interesting ways to show us things and maybe gets over a little bit of this kind of weird squeamishness about violence whether that's you know through um magic swords that they don't slice they uh just kind of kill you (laughs) or uh you know but there's violent shit in the stormlight archives there's crazy violent shit in those books so yeah i don't know it's weird it's super weird that there's like this dissonance in this book with the with the violence. It'll be interesting for me to go back and read Stormlight Archive and think about like this same character stuff. I'm looking forward to it because I wonder I have read that first book. So I wonder if and that was my first Brandon Sanderson book. So I wonder if the same thing that's happening to you with, with Mistborn will happen to me where I'm like, oh my god. I, I, and I, I will say this. I think, honestly, I'm, this could just be I've been hoodwinked again. <laughs> but I do think Stormlight Archive is more solid than these. When we do our episode on that, I want before us talking... If it sucks to be that audio clip of you saying like <laughs> I'm, I no way I got hoodwinked again, right? And then it's the same conversations. And I think I and I'm feeling like my experience with these books so far, which I think you know, I don't see. I can't trust myself anymore because I'm like, okay, the third one will be like I remember it, <laughs> and I think, <laughs> and I think it will be to a certain extent. I think from the you know the plot twist lore reveal stuff is super cool and satisfying and interesting but i think character characters in this world i'm just like feeling a lot of like wasted potential because like i am on a reread liking vin more liking ellen more like my first reread there were sort of like puppets that had to be around to make the cool plot happen but now i'm like yeah. paying attention to them a little bit more and we're like okay i can sort of see that there are characters under all this stuff, but it's it's pulled in too many directions that, and it's not it's sort of like squeamish about making them go through too much. Yeah, that's just but that's bizarre to me. I really don't get it, unless it comes back to being Mormon. Or maybe maybe he feels as though he is putting them through the ringer, and that's just his his barometer of the ringer is different is just different, you know. But I feel like even in fucking. Percy Jackson, fucking Percy Jackson goes through the ringer 
more than fucking Vin does. Yeah. <laughs> or like, uh, you know, Harry Potter, you know, I think Harry Potter sucks and fuck J.K. Rowling, but uh, fucking Harry Potter. Harry's, Harry, like, like suffers. Like, <laughs> His yes. friends die. Yes. Like, <laughs> like there's no... He loses no, uh, He has to get thrown out of the only place he's ever called home. Like, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't stumble across... Uh, the troll being killed. <laughs> they fight the troll. Like I don't know. It's just it's just weird. Or they don't have long. There's no two classroom uh, conversations in the first Harry Potter book that are the exact same. It's just the next day he has to go to the same class again. Like what? Did, I thought we did this. It's a review day. Like I thought we did this already. Yeah, I can't believe we're talking about Harry Potter as like a. <laughs> The, the the high water mark of how to do uh like character it's a growth. bad sign well that uh shout out to the shrieking shack podcast they do a uh they are jaded lapsed uh harry potter fans who are i think they've they've already reread all the books and they have come to the conclusion that they fucking suck the, but the first <laughs> one is good the the philosopher's stone or sorcerer's stone or whatever is good and has good why that is a children's book but ya character moments that uh i just use i haven't actually read percy jackson i just i only know harry potter so that's why i'm doing it and that feels like the closest comparison which seems in it like an insane sentence to say but uh i don't know man there's just there's ways to to have characters go through things without you don't have to do the you don't ha- it doesn't have to be violent like yeah. you wrote the book you can make it whatever you want <laughs> it doesn't have to be you didn't have to make it like this crazy oppressive society the fact that you made it means that you have to deal with it and you're not dealing with it yeah or deal with like okay you want to have characters you want to have character growth like it has to really affect them in a deep way like consistently it feels like just like coloring characters darker shades of like poop brown it's just like it's it's yeah but it's still brown like it's still the same color like it doesn't uh i don't know they're not different people they just she's a little sadder in this scene (laughs) and i guess yeah and i guess you know that it's not going to be it's not like someone's going to be a new color there's gonna be a different shade of the same color and that's sort of what i'm feeling like i want Maybe just where I am as like a reader in my reading life is like I want more from a reading experience or or, or a rereading experience. I think what you're saying is you want to see trees that are blue and even purple what? or green. What? That doesn't make any sense. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and what colors the sky? Blue? blue. Might as well be uh, 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 yellow i don't know <laughs> i will say though uh right before we wrap up here because i feel like we're at the end i do like that zane i forgot that only tin eyes and um what are they called mistborn <laughs> oops uh mistborn can see the stars that's just a fun world oh, fact I, that I, I, I totally missed that i think there's there's chunks of this book where i was uh sort of zoning out skimming <laughs> Zane points to the sky outside of the tent and is like, he can't see those. And they look at the stars, which is cool. Which in like the Sanderson that. is great as those little like world building flourishes. Like every time you find one, you're like, ooh, what a little treat. But like, it's unfortunate that like they're, they're a treat among, a, you know, it's like rice. Like rice is good, <laughs> but it's like, 
it's just rice, you know. There's like a piece of uh, it's 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 bland rice, but if you dig around enough, every once in a while, there's like a fine. It's like okay chicken. <laughs> and hey, there's nothing wrong with rice. Like sometimes you just want to eat a bowl of rice, but uh, it's hard to you know dice dissect rice on a hour long cooking show. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just rice. <laughs> Yeah, you're, that's totally what is happening. I, I'm excited to do a book that's good, and we'll talk about things like... Uh... <laughs> that's good. And again, it's so hard, because I don't want to feel like I'm shitting on these, that they're bad. Because they're not bad. They're not, they're bad. not like trash pulp novels. Like, clearly he no. cares. He likes them. I read them. I liked them. Do I like them now? <laughs> I need to finish, and I need to have a whole yep. emotional journey, and then we'll come yeah. back to how Danilo's feeling about these books. I think that'll be a good final episode of this whole Mistborn saga, is we'll do the how is Danilo feeling, and it'll be like one of those like solo uh, philosophize this kind of podcast, where it's just like a guy, like, <laughs> like oh my god, I can't <laughs> believe it. Mac, I'm going to send you a, a yellow manila envelope with one cassette tape in it, and it's going to be my thoughts after uh, the Hero of Ages, and you will never hear from me again. Yeah, and and suicide. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. I was going to say, like, I moved to, you know, Zambia or something. But You moved to Zambia to try to write the competing Mistborn novel, the missing the fourth Born book. Missed. Because the ending Born sucked. Missed. Born Missed. Yeah, with Jimmy uh, Marsh. With Jimmy Marsh. <laughs> Wow, that's a callback, ladies and gentlemen. All right, well, we'll play you out with some uh, tunes <laughs> by the inimitable Jimmy Marsh. <laughs> Jimmy Marsh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>